Welcome to The Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me is Matt Tabor. And Matt, we spoke with Carson, who I believe is the first ever human being birthed out of YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he absolutely was. I mean, other people like get into YouTube maybe in, in preschool and come out of there. No, no, no. He came out of the womb, out of YouTube's <laughs> womb. Yeah. <laughs> Womb tube. <laughs> he really <laughs> did. <Womb tube. laughs> it's it's funny because I had this suspicion before we spoke with him that maybe that was the case. But I mean, he just confirmed it wholeheartedly that, yeah, he just loves YouTube. He watches everything. He absorbs everything. And he really turns that into what's his own unique brand of really smartly crafted dumb humor. I don't know how, how else you describe it. It's it's tough. It's like it's like somebody being proud of making the absolute perfect peanut butter and jelly and sandwich or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like this exists. I w- I would be proud yeah. of that. Yeah, you know, it, it's like if you had ever had a math teacher that drew a circle on the board and and it was a perfect circle and they just sat there for a minute and marveled at it and they're like, oh, this is never going to happen again. Well, Carson does this with every tweet, every. YouTube video. It's just absolutely perfectly dumb. And I mean that in the best way possible. It's so hard to achieve. It really is. And it's something that I'm so excited about because, I mean, I've been doing this internet thing for a long time. You know, you have too. But I remember trying to do dumb-ish comedy, you know, eight years ago, nine years ago, and there just wasn't an audience for it. Not like there is today. And I also was not nearly, nearly as good at it as Carson is. But it's Very exciting to me as someone who's a big fan of that to see Carson succeed so clearly. Me too. And I love the bait and switch on it too, because on the surface, it it looks it looks kind of dumb. You know, you're talking about the comedy that that you used to do and you tried to achieve some of that. It is brutally difficult. And I like that on the surface, it appears to be uh, just too simple, you know, too simple. Like Carson can do a tweet where it's only the first half of, the, of a sentence. It, it, it deliberately stops. <laughs> yeah. It's like three words that don't make sense. But it's so funny. <laughs> and when you start to talk to him about it, when we started to talk to him about it, and, and think about how complex being that simple really is, oh, it's, it's amazing once we peel back the layers with Carson. He's, his talent is just shocking. It's amazing. Well, and with the, the half sentence thing, he just did a tweet recently that just says, fun fact, only 6% of people and that's it. And that's it. <laughs> There's nothing else. It's just fun fact. Only 6% of people. And it's like, well, where's the rest? Well, that's the joke. You know, it's, he's making fun of these like uber facts types of accounts that are just throwing out this like banal trivia, you know, that like, um, oh, 98% of people chew bubblegum once a year. It's like, okay, how much of that do you need to read before you're you, your eyes just glaze over and you can't take another piece of trivia ever again. Well, somehow Carson is able to just kind of cut right to the heart of that sort of thing with a tweet that just says, fun fact, only 6% of people. And that's it. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. And as we talk to him, it becomes so clear that he deserves so much more credit for the kind of the system he's put together, the approach he's got, he's he's really operating on a level that is exceptionally high. And it's so hard to get that through some of those tweets and videos. But wow, when you when you really start to analyze it, uh there are not a lot of people out there like Carson. No, and he's he's thinking about the future. He's thinking about scaling. He's thinking about building out what his brand is and he knows what his brand is and all this stuff. And and that's what I find so fascinating about talking to people like Carson and why I love doing this podcast. And I know that you do too. Yeah. Once we get into the stories and and we see how serious it all is, it's exciting because, you know, we've been around a lot longer than, than a lot of these people we talk to. And I, I just can't help but think like, what is Carson going to do five years from now? And it intrigues me to think what somebody uh, with his mind, his, his kind of level of like holistic maturity on YouTube, uh, which takes, it takes forever to develop. But again, when you've been doing it since you came out of the womb, 
he's got quite a bit of experience. <laughs> but I, I wonder just what what project and what what brand and whatever it is he's going to be driving in five years or ten years. And I don't know what it is, but I think it's going to be really incredible. Me too. Absolutely. I can't wait to find out. So you're about to hear all about Carson because you are about to listen to the first person, I believe, ever conceived and birthed (laughs) (laughs) out of YouTube because you are about to enter. Hey, 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 are you on Discord? We're on Discord. Join our Discord, the Create Unknown Discord. Join that. Join that. Hurry up. Go there. Talk to us. We're there. We're everywhere. But mainly Discord. Join the Discord. Welcome to the Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. And with me today is our special guest, Carson. Carson, hello. That's me. What's up? (laughs) How's it going? I'm doing pretty good. How about you guys? We're doing really fantastic. And it's great to be able to talk to you for the first time. We've chatted a little bit over Twitter, but not too much. But I really wanted to talk to you in person because you are so funny to me. And I appreciate that, man. (laughs) On this show, part of what we try to do and, and definitely what I like to try to do is sort of dissect YouTubers in a way where I can get my head wrapped around like what they're trying to do, uh, where they're going with what they're doing, you know, what sort of genre maybe they fit in, what their inspirations are. Okay. okay? And with you, I'm totally at a loss. (laughs) And I mean that in the best possible way. Like there are people who, even if they seem like really like hyper creative, like I can get myself in the mind space of saying like, all right, I know where that's coming from. But with Mm -hmm. you, I don't know where it's coming from. And it just seems (laughs) like you have some sort of like direct access to some creative muse that uh, the rest of us don't have. So can you please like inform me like what's going on in your brain? Well, you, you're going to have to be more specific. What, what are you talking about in particular? What part of like my my brand, I guess, are, are you talking so, about? So like the top of the staircase picture. You talk about okay. how, how, how you looked at that, at that whole tweet. All right. So recently Carson made a tweet where there uh, there was a photograph of him taken by somebody else, nobody knows, <laughs> from the bottom of a staircase. Carson is at the top of the staircase, and the, the photo is kind of peering at an odd angle, like through the banister, and all the tweet says is, waiting for Santa. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, this this <laughs> this was not tweeted in Dece- on December twentieth or or Christmas Eve. This was tweeted like a week ago. <laughs> I, I don't know why, uh, but I laughed hysterically at it because it's just so deeply awkward and random in a way that it's not like, oh, look how random I am. It's not like that because that's not funny. This is like. I don't know what the words are for it's what, what you're doing. Yeah. It's perfectly awkward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't know where to uh, begin. Like, how just, do you begin with that? I just think stupid stuff is really funny. I really have a dumb sense of humor. So like that, that entire thing was, I saw the staircase and I'm like, this would be funny if we got a picture of this for me up there, just peering down. So we did. <laughs> <laughs> and so then the, the Santa part, that came later. That wasn't there when you took the picture? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. No, the, the <laughs> caption came later. Or, or like the Pokemon chair, like the chair, the Pokemon, the chair. It's like, what, what are the pieces of that? I'm coming on this podcast to talk about my best moments. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the chair thing, I was doing a... I was making stuff for my friend's video, actually. His name is Slime Sickle. I don't know if you've heard of him. And he, we were making new Pokemon, and I just I put a chair on to Photoshop and then just said chair, the chair Pokemon. <laughs> There's not much to it. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> it is really funny, though, because like you said, it's it's like perfectly awkward. It's perfectly dumb. And, and I don't know. I wish there were... <laughs> I wish there were... Look, we need to create this genre, sort of, of things that are so dumb 
and you're a you're a. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being totally, totally serious about this. Like they're so dumb, but in a smart way. And I know that sounds contradictory and ridiculous, but you're getting really creative, really smart people trying to come up with the dumbest thing imaginable. They're not getting there. Not to that level. Who's not getting there? Oh, Joe, a lot of people who are trying to have this uh, like awkward, simple, but very funny thing. Right. You're amazing at it, right? And those people can be good and funny, (laughs) but there's actually this strange complexity and majesty in reaching peak stupidity. Yes. (laughs) I agree 100%. And and where, where does that come from for you? So we're a little older than you. Um, mm-hmm. So our, like, let me tell you, my comedic inspirations growing up were things like The Simpsons. They were like in later years, like Mr. Show with Bob and David. Um, things that, you know, like early nights, Ren and Stimpy, Beavis and Butthead. Okay. That's like really old mm-hmm. at this point. So where do you get the 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 dumb this the, the intelligently dumb, brilliantly dumb, like interest in comedy from. Uh, well, for one, my favorite comedy of all time is uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, that's a fantastic film, and just that is my sense of humor in a nutshell. Uh, it's just all so stupid, but it's stupid in a well done manner. And also, my friends all have a similar sense of humor to me, so I consider them also comedic inspirations Mm -hmm. because I can draw from whatever they say and build my own comedy around it. And is that sort of like your friend circle just trying to make each other laugh, sort of where you are now bringing that to the internet? Yeah. Well, my friend circle is, is mostly people I met over the internet, and they're just, we're just all people that enjoy the dumber things in life i guess (laughs) (laughs) like our sense of humor ranges from absurdism to like just base level comedy but we're we're all able to make each other laugh and when whenever we're talking to each other the main goal is to make as many jokes as possible Mm -hmm. like um last week i was at pax east and there was a moment i laughed the hardest i've ever laughed because my friend ted nivison uh he just he had one bit that he just kept doing and I couldn't get over it. And I was the only one laughing. I cried <laughs> laughing, but it was, it was just so funny to me. And, and that that's not on recording or anything. I wish it was, but like, it's not. And we just, we just do it because we find it entertaining. What was the bit? Can you tell us? We were watching a Minecraft YouTuber and we were in complete pain the entire time. And we were like, I, I didn't click off because the longer we sat there, the funnier they got in their pain uh, of, about how like painful this Minecraft YouTuber's video was because it was just vapid and there was nothing going on in it. The commentary that my friends were giving was just making me die. And then Ted started doing this like impression of a six year old uh, <laughs> who's watching the video. Right. And he he did this thing where he's <laughs> it's just Every like five seconds, he had a new line that just killed me. I don't even remember any of the lines. I wish I did. It, it, I can't describe it. It sounds dumb to describe it, but it was incredible. But basically, I reached pure. You bliss. found a, a really boring Minecraft video. Is that what you would you would say? Like a poorly done, just boring Minecraft let's play. And then, then yeah, you yeah. role played as like <laughs> played a, as a, six year old. a six year old being entertained by it or being bored by it. I mean, yeah, a lot of it, it's just improv. It's just improv based on the situation around us, and it's <laughs> uh, I don't know how to describe it besides just just we're we're always trying to improve our comedy shops so that we can make each other laugh. I guess. Um, and that's that's led to my own success, because what my channel right. is like, my my main channel is making each other laugh. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was going to going to go into now, because it seems like such a strangely organic way to build an online presence or, you know, a YouTube channel or whatever, where all of a sudden you have these friends who are online trying to make each other laugh. And then you're mm-hmm. sort of recording these moments for everybody to laugh with you the original idea was 
I I knew my friends were super funny. I wanted to record it, but just recording a funny group of friends normally wasn't enough. And I needed something to tailor it. So I started fine tuning like um, specific topics that I knew could get popular um, and then building the comedy around that. And it really let my friends and I and our comedy really shine, I guess. So you, you, so you honed in on something that you knew that people would be interested in or click on and, and then mm-hmm. kind of develop the format of you guys being funny around that topic. Like, can you, can you give an example yeah, yeah. Of, of one of those things? Well, quite recently, I did a video where uh, we bought a game from China that's just full of off-brand video games. And then we just put it in an NES and just went with it and tried to make comedy around that. I, I watched that. You had like Mario 14 and you're like, what is Mario yes. 14? Or like Contra 8. I still don't quite know. <laughs> yeah. And then there's stuff like we did DeviantArt. We, we did, we've done all sorts of stuff. Um, and probably what I'm most known for is uh, my invading Discord server series where we come up with a gag and then we go into a Discord server and then we do it to we do that gag to people who don't know what's coming mm-hmm. uh and that creates a really uh genuine reaction from those people and that i think what people really enjoy about that is it's is it's uh it's really well structured i guess it, with the comedy and and that structures our jokes to an even finer degree because most of the time it's just improv, but that's planned comedy, I guess that that we do to people who aren't in on the plan. Yeah. So so how do you structure something like that? Because I think that other people might watch your Discord raids and think, well, I could do that too. But you're saying that a lot more goes into like the preparation of of what's going to be funny about it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. Uh, we. We make sure that whatever we're doing, the the people won't a be super like pissed off about it. We don't want to piss off people. We want people to laugh with us. Um, and two, we want to make sure that it, it it's got at least a semblance of being funny. If it's not funny, there's no point in doing it. If if we're not getting a good reaction, there's no point in doing it. And have you been wrong with thinking that like this one's going to work? This is a, this is a pretty good sweet spot of, of being enough of a bother to be funny, but not going to push it too hard. And then whatever it is, you do it and it just falls flat. Like, have you been completely wrong about expectations on that? It's never truly fallen flat. I can usually scrap together something out of a clip simply because my friends can improv it, given the situation. So like one time we were doing a gag where we had a bunch of House fire, people, sorry, this is going to, a lot of of stuff dropping in here. So uh, there were multiple people named house fire with the same house fire profile picture that joined. And then a fire truck joined um, to put out the house fires, but no one spoke. But it was still a funny clip because there was a certain amount of awkwardness afterwards. And then my friend who was the fire truck said y'all house fires trying to speak up and it, and it made a good clip despite it being a complete and utter, utter failure and discord hasn't been around for that long so this seems like a really new way to make people laugh uh yeah no 100 there's tons of discord videos blowing up right now did you do the stuff on vent or anything like that in the past or did you start with discord no uh, i started with discord because i think it's really hard to make the same type of content like visually appealing on something like Vent or TeamSpeak. Um, so it's not going to be as engaging. So you're going to have to forgive me a little bit because I don't know your friends. You know, I'm only familiar with you. So right. does it work where they all have their own YouTube channels too? Or does everything funnel through Call Me Carson? They do all have their own YouTube channels and Twitch channels. Twitch more, more so. But it's not created the same way, I, I guess, to, to like mass appeal. There's there's a couple that are definitely on the grind more than the others. Um, but some are just like along for the ride and having a good time. OK, so you're like the ringleader a, a little bit. Yeah, sure. <laughs> OK. In the Discord circus. <laughs> <laughs> and and what are the 
you know, plans for you to continue to do this? Because, you know, it's so funny. We've, we've talked to people like uh, Grande and Dolan Dark, and, and these are guys who, um, in particular, Grande left, like, like stopped doing med school yeah. because he loved doing memes. Or Dolan Dark, I believe, got his computer science degree, but yes. then yep. just never really pursued it. And, and he's having a lot of fun you know, being a genius on Twitter <laughs> and YouTube. Um, but, but what about you? Like, where does this all play into your goals and your personal life? I dropped out of college to, to pursue this. So I'm, I'm in the same boat as those creators, but I was, I, I hated education. So this was my way out. So I don't want to ever go back to school. My goal is to build this up enough to where I can build a very stable career out of it. Obviously, there's not much job security with YouTube and Twitch because uh, channels fizzle out and die all the time. But my goal is just to increase my longevity as long as possible because I really do enjoy this. And it's the only thing I've really found that I, I really resonate with because of the creative freedom. My biggest thing was when I was in college, I was a media comm student and I had to do like a TV show, uh, I, I worked for the TV station, did like sports games. But what I always hated was I had to work under someone and I'd never had the creative freedom that I do for YouTube and Twitch and, and whatever. With this, I have just pure control over everything I make and I can make whatever I want, which is, I mean, the beauty of YouTube, I guess. Yeah, it totally is. And I relate to that so, so much because when I went to school, I went to school for communication and film specifically. And I remember mm -hmm. having like a, a minor clash with my film professor over the fact that she wouldn't allow me to make the thing that I wanted to make. And this is going to sound like really selfish probably, but you know, I thought I had this great idea and her point was ostensibly like, that's cool that you have a great idea, but you know, when you're making sneaker commercials someday, your idea doesn't matter. You just need to make the sneaker commercial that, you know, the sneaker brand is paying for. And I remember being in the middle of the conversation thinking, I'm never making a sneaker commercial. Like I, I yeah. just, I, I would rather not do anything then do, you know, the same thing that you butted up against, which is, the, it, it is a weird thing where, you know, I would have rather, and this is what I did do, uh, I worked in the service industry instead. So I worked in restaurants, I worked in bars, and then in my free time, that's when I made uh, videos and, and, and creative projects. Like that to me was a lot more liberating than working in a creative industry but kind of being under the thumb of somebody else making the creative decisions. There's like this weird feeling as a creative person where I'd rather not be in a creative industry at all than be kind of like the helper on somebody else's vision. And I, I don't know why that is. Like, I, like, what do, you, what do you think about that? I don't know. I don't think, I don't think you said this might be selfish. I don't think it's selfish at all to want, to be able to make what you want to make. I think that's that's going to be the most liberating thing as a creator is making what you want to make. At the end of the day, I, I feel like that's what's most important and it's going to be the most fulfilling for you. I I can't, I just can't work under anyone, you know? Like, it doesn't work for me personally. Uh, and I, I never want to work under anyone <laughs> unless it's like helping like a friend with a project, I I can't be just another cog in the machine, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 totally. So um, what are some plans that you have for building out a business so that you can be sustainable? Because, you know, the AdSense relying on that is, is such a tough mm -hmm. thing for sustainability because one little thing can go wrong in the algorithm or, you know, something that's out of sight of your control, demonetization. And, you know, the next thing you know, you can't afford to, you know, buy your 
Totino's pizza rolls anymore. Right. <laughs> Lord knows we need our Totino's pizza rolls. <laughs> the the thing I'm working on right now mostly is diversifying as much as possible to create more revenue sources um, so that I do have that longevity. I currently have the main channel, which works great. Well, love how, how it's going. But then I also have been working on a second channel, which is a completely different workflow where I have editors that put up my streams from Twitch, which is another source for me. And I'm just trying to build as outwardly as possible so that I have other places to go if one fizzles out. And I think that's the name of the game is to just branch into as many things as possible as often as possible and make sure that no matter what, you still have a platform. How much are you working to do all this stuff? I mean, you're you're streaming, you're making your 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 main channel videos. You must be working every day of the week on all this stuff. I'm a workaholic. Uh, I'm working like at least 50 hours a week, at least. I I live this pretty much. <laughs> but I'm, I'm putting in a lot of time. And because I, I'm so afraid of going back to college. I've, I've had many dreams about being in school. I think I have a phobia at this point. I'm, I'm genuinely serious. I've, I've, for about a month, every single night I went to sleep, I dreamed of, of a school. And I hated it. It, it was the worst month of my life. No, I take that back. Being the worst month of my life was in school. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you're actually there, and not and you were living the nightmare. But but what's the nightmare that you didn't study for a test or you show up to class with no pants on? No, 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 no. The nightmare is being in school. That's it. Because being in school means I can't work on what I want to work on. <laughs> I, I I again lose my own creative freedom, which is not. It's just the opposite of what I want. <laughs> One of the cool things about about what you do and the style that you do it in is that, you know, you're saying, I don't want to work under somebody else or I don't want to be in this system that, mm -hmm. that really limits me. But sometimes the actual content somebody can make is an oppressive system in a way, too. And if you think about uh, if you think about anybody involved in news, by definition, they don't get to do what they want to do. Right. They are constantly mm -hmm. subject to whatever is happening around them. Yes, there's investigative journalism and this is point zero zero one percent. And very, very often, even if somebody has a good idea, it's not going to get approved, whatever. They're really uh, they have to function within the confines of a system. Um, you've chosen to go a way that you're not beholden to to other people. And you also have the content freedom, too. You don't have to do one thing. You have total freedom as opposed to uh, somebody who, who's working on a very specific thing on their own. And that's a really mm -hmm. cool distinction that you've managed to put something together that gives you that flexibility and freedom on all fronts. I agree. Yeah, you're, you're basically William Wallace just shouting freedom to the sky. <laughs> uh, I, I did an internship for a news uh, organization, a, a, a TV news. And it was crazy. It was like, you never, well, if anybody works in the news, you know, that's awesome. And I hope that you love it because you have to, to do that. Every single day, you oh, are yeah. scrambling from zero to make the news, to like make whatever is happening. And we'll cut to this guy because this is happening over here. And it was as, as somebody with my temperament, it was the most anxiety-inducing environment that I've ever been in my entire life. I was like, I can't believe you people can do this every single day. It's astounding. Some people need that, too. They need to have the decisions about how their creativity is going to be used or what type of content it's going to be. They need to have kind of somebody else make that decision. Some mm -hmm. people are really well-suited to a responsive thing like news. And right. then they take it and, and run with it and do their thing. Right. Um, other people, you know... Knowing you as well as I do, I can see that being a terrible thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd much rather spend like hundreds of hours making one thing than, than, you know, scrambling around like a chicken with my head cut off to make sure that this like med piece about this new retainer that this dentist is trying, like <laughs> that's like literally what it's like. It's super weird. Yeah. And even when you're working on a news piece, the, the news pieces all still feel the same. Like the, the nothing really changes between news pieces. You just kind of pick a topic and then you you build around it. Um, 
I, I could never work like that because I, I always want to be making something new and something I think more people are going to resonate with. And I don't think, especially in the times we're in now, a lot of news pieces really resonate with people because a lot of news pieces are negative. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> like the news is is inherently negative. Yeah, well, it's it's like they say uh, there's never a headline that's like, you know, 177 million drivers you know, like drove through this thing and like all of them went home safely. That's never a news story. No. You know? Yeah, it's not. It just doesn't work that way. All of the airplanes didn't Land- crash. Yeah, they landed today. <laughs> Yay. <sleep>. Yeah. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> but what do you think about? So, you know, you mentioned kind of like the climate of, of you know, the, the, the news and everything. And, and how does that play into the jokes that you make or, or don't make? Uh, I steer away from anything that could be considered controversial. Uh, <laughs> like a lot of times I'll cut jokes from my videos because it's like, yes, that's funny, but it's also it could offend someone. So I just strip it away. Uh, political stuff gone. I don't want anything controversial in my videos. I, I try to avoid it as much as possible. And I know that adding anything controversial will make the amount of people that could subscribe to me go down. I don't want to limit myself, I guess, if that makes sense. It, I, it's somewhat limiting at the same time, but it, in another way, it's not it, it, it's it's not limiting. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sounds like the return on it is something that's that's either negative or uh, kind of dubious of value. And if it, why would you want to keep something when it could go really poorly or maybe it, it works out and does okay? Like that's just not a good mm-hmm. enough incentive to roll the dice on that one. And it's not going to stand up that well over over time anyway. So what's the point, right? Right. Yeah, but I think it's smart to be able to analyze that and, and reach that conclusion because it does take a level of introspection to say and to sit back and say like, how is this going to play to a bunch of people I don't know? And I don't know mm-hmm. that that every single person who makes content takes the time to do that, you know? I mean, maybe their brand literally is just offend as many people as possible, and, and that's what they get off on. Like, that's <laughs> that's totally possible, too. But it seems like what you're more interested in and what you're trying to build is something that isn't like that. And actually, you know, you can... This is the thing. I always think like there are so many ways to make people laugh that why would you have to settle for like the most like obviously offensive or outrageous or gross um, or divisive thing you could say when when literally you can take a picture of yourself at the top of a staircase and say waiting for Santa (laughs) and like that's really funny. Yeah, well, the thing is, it's a trade-off because there's a lot of people that do find like something edgier is is funnier to a larger group of people. But if you can make that same group of people laugh with something else, I would rather do that because I I almost think it's a crutch. Uh, it's a comedy crutch. If if you can't make jokes that aren't edgy, then you're you're going to be limiting yourself in the long run because people grow out of edgy humor. Well, I think there's edgy humor that can last a long time. I think there's timeless edgy humor, but there's certain edgy humor that it's just not worth it, if that makes sense. It only goes for so long. And then what do you do? Mm -hmm. And if you don't have anything with any real substance or some unique angle like that, once the really like low hanging fruit, easy jokes are kind of out of the picture, you got to have something. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Well, if you don't have... Uh, if you don't have any material that's better than that, what you do is not comedy. You're done. So when you were, you know, kind of growing up in this YouTube culture in a way that Matt and I really didn't, I'd love to hear what some of the YouTubers that you looked up to, uh, who they were, um, maybe the YouTube comedians, because I feel like comedy, the scene of comedy and like comedy in media has changed drastically because of the internet. Like when, when Matt and I mm-hmm. were growing up, you know, it was like SNL, maybe like the, like, like two late night shows. I mean, when we were little, it was really just, um, the NBC shows, the tonight show, and then the late show. And then you had movies, 
you know, comedic movies like whatever, uh, Adam Sandler movies, Will Ferrell movies. Some stand-up specials on HBO. Like once a quarter, they would put, you know, put something on. If you had access to that. If you had. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But now, you know, you have, like, I have access to Carson. Okay. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. dude, like you are just in your home where you live and I'm in, in my home where I live. And, you know, a, there's no gatekeeper. There's no like Lorne Michaels, like doing auditions saying like, well, you're not funny enough. So like next it's like, no, like, here's, here's my joke. What do you think? And that freedom and that access to comedy has really kind of blown up. I think what traditional comedy was before, before social media became so ubiquitous. So are you looking for a list of YouTubers? Like I've watched over time because I've watched a lot of YouTube. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> I've been watching YouTube since I was like 11. Um, I The reason I started was I was watching like Let's Plays of Pokemon video game. And then from there, I was like, YouTube is awesome. I'm going to watch more YouTube. And then I found Minecraft videos, started watching tons of Minecraft videos. And then I found like like trick shot videos of, of Kaponk, fucking ping pong trick shots, disc golf trick shot videos. I've watched such a large variety of youtube videos and so like i can't pinpoint any main influences i guess it sounds like you're talking the, about your friends with the way that works like you guys have this this circle of inspiration where everything bounces off everybody else and you pull something cool out of it yeah that's pretty much what you just said about youtube you're like yeah i'm gonna check out all of this uh it's gonna be a million oh, yeah. different things my, my home page my home page is just like the largest variety possible. Like the homepage on YouTube usually recommends you a lot of the same stuff that you've been yeah. watching. Mine is like meme, anime video, fucking uh, Minecraft video, donkey video, Jack's films video. You know, it, it's like there's so there, it's so different across the board. And I think that's one of my strong suits, I guess, is I know a lot about the YouTube landscape because my my own influence is being drawn from so many sources. That's that's exactly what I was hoping you would say, like literally, because before, you know, when I was thinking about you and thinking about talking to you about this podcast. I was thinking Carson is kind of the well, one of the this new guard that is kind of like a product of YouTube. It kind of like is mm -hmm. a product of the internet. Like I didn't get the internet until like senior year of high school or something like that. Like my formative years or whatever were kind of behind me by the time I was able to get the internet. And even when I got the internet, it was like, it was not the internet that we have today. No, I don't even no. remember what I did. Mm -hmm. I like made, uh, you know, Marilyn Manson angel fire websites. <laughs> that's what, that's all you could do. I Googled things about, uh, I actually remember the very first thing that I ever searched and it wasn't Google. It was, you know, one of the old search engines like AltaVista or something like that. But I so distinctly remember around seventh, eighth grade uh, going to, to Syracuse. Uh, my brother was doing a thing there. And so uh, he took us to the computer lab and was like, here's the internet. Do something with it. Uh -huh. like, well, what do you do? And, and so the first thing I ever searched was banjo. Banjos. I'm okay. like, okay, I'll see what the internet has to say about banjos. <laughs> what did you learn? Uh, a bunch of different pictures of banjos. People had, you know, a page dedicated just to, uh, just to the, the old Gibson banjos. Um, you know, others, uh, Appalachian things, some people were, uh, selling banjos, you know, it wasn't like guitar center, but same idea, you know, probably like Sam Ash or something back in that day. Um, I was like, oh, there are a lot of different ways for people to, to look at banjos and do things with them. And that really stuck with me. Obviously I remember nothing about the specifics of searching banjo in like 1994. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, but yeah, it's banjo search terms are going up way up right now when you release this. It's just, you're going to see a spike yeah, from, from one to two. <laughs> but yeah, it was a different mindset where it, we had to have these realizations that this, this thing was possible on an internet, right? And it would have been completely different if we'd always had that and then thought, well, then what's possible? What's the new thing that you can make out of this wildly complex, 
cool, everything is out there sort of, you know, meta platform, then what do you pull out? And it's really hard for, it's hard for us to understand what, what that level of thinking is like. Well, and also what growing up with YouTube or growing up with the internet allows for. And to me, what I, what I see coming out of, you know, what Carson's doing, what I see coming out of someone like Quackity is doing is just a total amount of freedom. And and I, I feel like that's what we keep coming back to in this conversation with creativity that was just so impossible before, where it's like, once you grew up with the world at your fingertips in terms of YouTube and the internet and everything, you just get so many more influences from day one that like we didn't have. Like I literally remember when my uncle got the internet, I would just search for Ken Griffey Jr. because he was my favorite baseball player just to look at pictures of Ken Griffey Jr. Because otherwise, um, unless his game was on like ESPN or, you know, I got Sports Illustrated for kids, there was no way to like see cool pictures of Ken Griffey Jr. like catching home runs. Mm -hmm. And that was the like extent of the internet when, when I was a kid and now Carson, you know, you're able to watch these crazy trick shot videos and like hilarious skits from Smosh or, uh, epic rap battles (laughs) or, you know, like whatever, whatever it was back in the day, the Minecraft stuff. I mean, Minecraft itself is such a creative, ridiculous game where you could just Mm -hmm. make and do sort of kind of whatever from like note block music to, (laughs) I don't know, you know, you know what I mean? That, um, that's what I see from coming from, from you guys. And that's what I just really like about, you know, following you and, and following some of, some of these other like new crop of just really funny people who are way more, I think like open creatively than ever before. I agree. No, you're definitely one of those people seeing, you know, even, even just just the little vignettes on, the, on your Twitter feed, there is this level of uh, more openness in terms of being creative in different ways than, than people who are basically... And there's an audience there. for it. Like yeah. when I was doing uh, jokes that are not as funny as your jokes back in the day, everybody thought I was... I'm sure they were great. I'm sure you had fantastic <laughs> jokes. <laughs> I had, there was no audience, man. Like nobody thought it was funny. Maybe because it wasn't, but... But the fact that um, you are getting, you know, 8,000, 9,000, 10,000, 12,000 likes on these weird and surreal jokes makes me, you don't understand how happy it genuinely makes me. Like, thank you, uh, Carson, because I've been waiting for this sort of thing to catch on for like decades. I'm doing it for you, Thank you. I knew. I knew. <laughs> this is all for you, dude. All for all for my guy Vsoft. Too. <laughs> exactly. So when when's your merch dropping? Why don't you have merch? Why can't I I have you merch? Do? I'm wearing what it right it? now. It says whenever a bird flies, it's teeth closing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well I'm gonna have to pick up one of those. Uh maybe you don't. I think we need <laughs> <laughs> you won't wear it outside. <laughs> it's all fi- it's fine. I don't go outside. I want, I, want oh, Carson, I want Carson overalls. Yes. That's the important piece mm, of yes. it for me. Every, look, every idiot can have a t-shirt, right? I want the right. overalls. Santa Claus. <laughs> Do you? Themed. No. Are you sure? He would wear them, actually. Yeah, I'd wear them. He would wear They're overalls. They're pretty handy. Yeah. They're handy outside. Do you wear, do you wear overalls? Uh, if I'm doing work outside. I'm not much of an overall They guy. can be useful or they can be a real pain. It depends on what type of movement you're doing. But yeah, they, they have their place in... What is in, their place? If you're like shucking corn? No, I don't <laughs> shucks corn by hand anymore. <laughs> that's just that the way. first thing that came to mind. <laughs> that you do in overalls is shuck corn. Yes, that's it. That's or it. playing a banjo. <laughs> you, yeah, you put them on, you shuck your corn, then you just turn, you change into a sensible outfit because that window is shut. <laughs> There's no more purpose for overalls anymore. But yeah, that uh, is that part of the diversification though. The, uh, you know, having... Uh, uh, your stuff expressed on on the merch side of things is that on merch yeah. i have not messed with merch much yet uh i do need a uh, the thing is 
I don't have a good idea of what makes a good shirt and how to advertise it to my own fan base in a way that makes it appealing. And so I need I, that's something I'm working on is figuring out like what what's good for this <laughs> because I do want to I do want to branch out into merch and fashion because I I in the last year have been getting into that stuff. But as of right now, this little small brain of mine can't comprehend it. Is there anyone whose merch you really like? You think, oh, this person's doing it well or um you know, like for instance, uh, Elvis the Alien has yeah. his alien clothing. That's a really good line. That isn't. It's it's like its own clothing brand. It's not like, hey, here's just a T-shirt with my name on it. Yeah. You know, yeah, that like there's this catchphrase that worked out really well in a video. Let me slap it on. You know, on a shirt. Right. It's, it's so much like, beyond uh, that. Like, like, like that, this. like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I recently watched a video by Nerd City mm-hmm. about uh, all, all, all the merch line and stuff of YouTubers. And obviously Jack's Films is one of the best. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name drop Dunky again. Dunky's merch line, I think, is really impressive. Um, and that's all, that's all like homemade, which is interesting. I would like to really build up something unique and, and something a lot of people would like to wear. And I haven't quite figured out how to do that yet, <laughs> but I'm working on it. It's, it's, it's going back here. It's, it's buffering in my head. Is it hard to take what you do and translate that to something that somebody can wear and still have it have kind of the impact that the original joke did or whatever it is? Is, is there some like hurdle in that process? Because it sounds when I think about doing that, it sounds like this is really hard to pull off. Yeah. The biggest thing is, do you want to make uh, merchandise or do you want to make something a lot of people can wear? <laughs> because merchandise, like I wouldn't want to wear merch. I don't like I'm wearing this right now because, you know, it's my merch. But like if it, if it weren't my merch, I wouldn't buy it. <laughs> so like I probably would I probably would not wear this in public unless it's like to a convention, uh, which is fine. I, I guess there's people that would wear it and there's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, I want to make something that anyone can wear and still is recognizable as my own. So I think there is definitely a a learning curve there that I'm I'm not quite sure on. How to how to make something that's still my own, but also something anyone can wear. And I think there's been multiple YouTubers that have tried to branch into that. I know PewDiePie, Jacksepticeye, and Markiplier have all... It's probably because they've been around so long that they figured it out. But they've got like... Uh, PewDiePie uh, has the Suki Market stuff. That's his fashion line. And then Markiplier and Jacksepticeye have the uh, cloak stuff. And that's actual clothing that people would mm-hmm. wear. And I would like to make something along that line. But the thing about that is then you also don't, don't get the same kind of sales as a YouTuber because people aren't as interested in it because it's, it's just normal clothing. So it's, it's a tightrope you got to walk on. <laughs> and I'm like, Try to figure how? it out. Yeah. Well, and those, <laughs> those three guys that you just mentioned are enormous i mean their fan bases they're the titans they are the biggest they're the like the mount rushmore (laughs) really of of people in the game so i i do think i would love to pick their brains dude they're so experienced i want to know i want to know what's kicking around up there well i don't know maybe we can uh figure that out it would be awesome though to get some of those people to talk about the real nuts and bolts of of like the merchandise for example because there's even oh, yeah. though it's it's you know it's not really a secret thing the point i'm trying to to make is that they can let somebody like you know here's how you do it this is great it's not going to impact anybody else's sales merch operation whatever it is it, it allows you to do something different that adds to the whole thing you know so it, it's mm-hmm. spreading the knowledge on that kind of thing it's kind of good for everybody instead of uh dividing up you know this one finite pie it just doesn't work that way. No. Yeah. And hoarding the information because like, oh, you figured it out. And I mean, that's what I saw. I saw Nerd City's video on yeah. that too. And um, it's excellent because that's exactly what he did exactly is that he did a ton of research and then made this beautiful and compelling video that was like, here's what I found. <laughs> it's like, oh, mm-hmm. thank you. <laughs> like, I wish more people <laughs> actually took the time to do this. 
Yeah, that that video was fascinating. I was shout out to that guy. His videos are fantastic. He deserves way more credit. Now, having him go through the process with, you know, like where designs come from, whatever. And he's showing here some really good ones here. You know, I I don't want to call out even though it's in his video. But, uh, uh, you know, he showed an example of here's a kind of lazy design process that's really lame. And this isn't how you Mm -hmm. should do merch. Well, that's really useful to know. You know, he's he's laying out like the good cases and the bad cases. And I'm watching this thinking, okay, this is a a really informative perspective on something like a T-shirt. You know, let's get more of this. Yeah, just more learning in general. I mean, I don't know if everybody is as curious about things as I am, but dude, I want to pick everyone's. Yeah, right. I'm like, tell me your knowledge, dude. I want to I want to start dialogues with so many YouTubers. And I'm just like. But I'm also an introvert, so it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> what What are some other topics aside from merch that you would love to learn from? Oh, just from the the great just sages. the grind, <laughs> like how how people how people run their channels, picking their brain and learning their own formulas for things, and how they think about how they form their content. Similar to what you're doing with your podcast. That's why I listen to it. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's just it's really interesting to know because. There's so much more than people really realize, especially like the casual YouTube viewer. There's so much that goes into it. And I just want to know it all. I want to know. I want to know what what PewDiePie has to say. I want to know what Jack has to say. Jack's films. I want to I just want to know, like, how 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 did they make their uh, longevity go so long? How do they craft their content? What's their creative process? Uh, Shout out to the create unknown for doing that <laughs> we should we should have them on we should have them i'm making on. an ad for you <laughs> yes. guys right now come on oh we're totally cutting that up and, and just blasting it everywhere um <laughs> little bits though from every episode that we've done and it just every person we talk to nobody's doing it exactly the same way which we knew it would be like that mm-hmm. yeah uh, there are a bunch of things in in common though yeah and, and it's nice to see those but it's neat to see somebody having a perspective that's really unique, doing something that's very effective that nobody else is quite doing it the same way. But it's still mm-hmm. it's still uh, something that virtually anybody else could use if they wanted to. And so and apply to and different apply to elements of their life. You don't right. have to be a YouTuber to right. like glean knowledge from yeah. any of these conversations. It could be whatever, you know, business or entrepreneurial endeavor that you're yeah. getting into. And one thing that I just want to say, because I think it's amazing, is the fact that you have been able to figure out a way to make being funny with your friends actually like content that people are outside of that peer group want to watch because I, I I genuinely think that most people think like, oh, my friends and I are the funniest people in the entire world. Trust me, every time we get together, it is just a laugh a minute. And, and you know, are you really that funny? Or, you know, you just have these shared experiences well, that like, like yeah. make the humor naturally arise when you get together. But with you, you figured out like, no. We actually are funny, not just to each other, but to total random strangers around the world. You also got to know how to market it. You know, I, th- I think a lot of people with their groups of friends, they won't have the, the knowledge of like the YouTube space and everything to be as uh, effective with it. I guess that, if that makes sense. I think one of another one of my biggest strengths is 100 percent knowing this will work. This won't. I'm constantly coming up with ideas, constantly writing stuff down. I, I keep a, a, a mm-hmm. notes document that just has so much on it. And a lot of that just doesn't get made <laughs> because I know, yeah, it's a it's a good idea. But at the same time, I don't think it's going to work. So <laughs> uh, it's I'm I'm extremely picky and choosy about what I put on my channel as well. And I think that's that's the biggest thing is a lot of people wouldn't know what to pick and choose. And, and what's the process that you go through with that? Do you just try to put yourself in other people's shoes and, and or try to find a topic that you know other people can relate to? Uh, <laughs> well, it, it, it depends video by video, the process of how I how I think about it, because it, it's so different every single time, because I, I really am making something new and different each video. 
I don't know. It's it, it it comes down to what I would find entertaining in a video. I I can't I can't put up something and think this is this is just okay. Like some people will enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> right. I I want to make every video something I personally know I would enjoy watching. So that's the biggest thing. Honing that judgment and, and the real expertise in that judgment has to come mm. at least in large part from what you were talking about with having such a broad variety of, of mm-hmm. watching things on YouTube, how can you make good judgment calls on, you know, what idea is going to be uh, funny to people? What's going to play well, being able to look at 20 ideas and commit to one of them. That's going to be the best. How can you do that? If you don't have a great sense of what, uh, what other people are doing. So that has to pay off for you. Exactly. So here's my notes page. Right. Okay, that's extensive. Can, <laughs> that's like 150 ideas. <laughs> and uh, now I'm going to steal all of them. So to <laughs> no, go back and pause frame by frame. Right. <laughs> like, I hope not. Did I just? You just gave away all the secrets. Well, guys, we'll blur it and post. Blur it, blur it. <laughs> most of these I'm not going to use. So, and most of them won't make sense. Like, they're, they're just jumbled messes. I have an idea for like six months down the road that I can't make yet, but I'd love to make. Well, what what, <laughs> change, what like, changes in six months that you would be able to make it that you can't now? I'm going to move out. Oh. I'm moving. I'm planning to move out with a friend and then I will have the means to do a certain idea that I can't talk about because I don't want it stolen. <laughs> All right. I can talk about it off air. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, I find with writing down ideas, so I'll do this with Twitter. I'll have an idea that I think will be a funny tweet and I'll save it as a draft. And I find mm-hmm. like almost nine times out of 10, that thing that I thought was really funny that I saved at a draft, as a draft, I look at it later and I'm like, that isn't funny at all. Like, that's really dumb. So I have this Whoa. draft folder, like, full of bad tweets that thankfully I never tweeted. Well, here's the thing about Twitter drafts is I will just come up with, like, 30 at a time. Like, 10 or so will be used in the next 10 days because I, I just do one tweet a day. So my Twitter drafts are ex- also extensive list. I have so many that I, that would probably be just fine that I just don't put up because I'm like, eh, it's not good anymore. So I 100% understand that. Here, let me pull up my drafts so that you guys can see the... There might actually... Uh, you, you guys won't be able to... Oh, no. Wait. Hello? It's not working. <laughs> okay. There's so many drafts. It, it oh, froze. The, the oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a significant list. I'm just constantly <laughs> writing stuff down. That's that's just what I do. And and do these ideas just pop into your brain or do you sit down and say like, OK, brain, now we're going to think of ideas. Like, how does that? It depends. It depends. Sometimes sometimes I get into like uh, <laughs> a fury for like two hours where I just am sitting there in my chair bracing just like. It's time to make ideas. And then they, they come. And and sometimes uh, they really do. Uh, I mean, I planned like two months worth of videos uh, in one night just just because I said it's time to make some videos. <laughs> uh, and then the Twitter drafts, sometimes I'll just be running on empty with with drafts and stuff and I'll be laying in bed and then. I snag my phone and then just start tweeting at PAX East. A bunch of other content creators just gave me their phone and I just went <laughs> and it was like the same quality of tweets. So it, <laughs> I'm just dumb. <laughs> Bottom line. It's, <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because it's so not true. And, and, th- and that's like the, the point of all of this. Like I was, I sat down with my mom uh, over, I think it was over Christmas or something. And she doesn't have Twitter because why would she? And I was explaining to her why I love Twitter so much. And I was showing her, you know, tweets that I've done, uh, tweets that you've done, tweets that like Ed Atlin and like the weird videos that he makes where he'll like overdub Velma from Scooby-Doo with like a, he'll be like, oh, 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 like, <laughs> like these like ridiculous, do you know Ed Atlin? Carson? No, I'm not familiar. Yeah, follow him. him. And I was very explicitly trying to detail to her, like, 
the point of this is to come up with the dumbest thing. Like that's the entire point. It's not that the tweet is like a dumb thing that some dumb person said. It's like a carefully, like with a scalpel, like surgically crafted, monumentally idiotic thing. And and for whatever reason, uh, to me and clearly to you and to 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 all of your fans, it's the it's the most fun thing. There's it's, it's an art that needs to there needs to be some kind it's of designation that recognizes how incredible that art is in in one what? word that goes beyond like beyond just dumb. I was just thinking like Carson is like the da Vinci of dumb. Oh, that's not bad. Thank there you. you. Bad. Wow. That'll be your new bio. That... <laughs> your new Twitter uh, bio. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's my legacy, huh? That'll be your epi- on the your... Da Vinci of stupid. <laughs> what an epitaph. Negative, negative intelligence point. Yeah, yeah, dumb Vinci. I will be remembered for this. <laughs> so before we, we go, we love to showcase the creativity of our guests. That's what we're all about here okay. at The Create Unknown. And we like to ask our guests a random question that, that does not have an answer. But, you know, you'll just have to make one up on the spot because that, that's what okay. you do. So, you know, going back to your tweet about you waiting for Santa Claus at the top of the stairs, I would love to know the exact origin of Santa Claus. Funny you should say that because I've been actually thinking about this a lot recently. Santa Claus is a German construct. You can tell because Claus at the end of the name, that's Claus's very German name. It's just a German construct they designed during World War II to brainwash the children of America. That's where it comes from. <laughs> so Santa, Cla- Santa Claus is very evil. <laughs> so It's not Santa Claus. <laughs> they put an American spin on it so that we would be more willing to accept it and would not recognize it as American. So we just learned that, that Hitler invented Santa Claus? Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> I, 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 just, I don't think we're allowed to celebrate Santa Claus anymore. I guess not. I, I could actually. No, you I are. Just, I, it's yeah. been made American, <laughs> similar to all the food of America. That little like buzzing in the background was the sound of this video getting demonetized. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what We've <for>? been canceled. <laughs> Hitler Claus. <laughs> well, there you go. Now it's demonetized. <laughs> Well, thank you, Carson, so much for joining us. Uh, it was awesome to get of to course. meet you and to chat with you about your fantastically brilliant dumb brain. <laughs> and uh, it's such it a, so a critical statement. But it's so awesome. It's so perfect. <laughs> it's a great oxymoron, yeah. like jumbo shrimp. Yeah, oxymoron, that's the yeah, word. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. No problem. You are about to exit the create unknown. And welcome to the credits. I am Kevin Credits Lieber, the host of Credits. First, I want to thank Rode Microphones because they make great stuff. If you want to sound as good as we sound in your beautiful, perfectly symmetrical golden ratio ears, then you need to go to Rode.com. That's R-O-D-E.com and get some awesome audio equipment for you and your loved ones. <laughs> Thank you to Carson for joining us. Carson is super, super funny. Make sure you subscribe to Carson on YouTube. Follow Carson on Twitter. Uh, daily, daily golden tweets. Speaking of golden ratio, Carson's like the golden ratio, the, the Fibonacci sequence of Twitter. Seriously. Um, if you want to talk to us, Join our Discord. We have a Discord where we literally talk to you. All you have to do is join the Discord and then talk to us. It's that simple. It really is so easy. It's like, do you remember Easy Cheese? Maybe maybe you still get Easy Cheese. There's like cheese in a can. And before it was like, oh man, I have to unwrap individual slices of cheese or, you know, cut like my own slices of cheese from a block 
Yeah, those days are over. Now it's in a can. Just turn it upside down and press a, no a nozzle and <laughs> just just put it in your mouth. Oh, that could have been taken out of context. That's okay. Listen, we need to tell you, and by we, I mean me, that you should subscribe to us here at The Create Unknown. It really helps get those numbers up. You know, make multiple accounts and, and subscribe with... No, that would be dishonest. But subscribe yourself to The Create Unknown. Ring the notification bell. If that's a thing that still even exists on YouTube, who knows? They change stuff all the time. It's very, very fun and part of the journey. <laughs> follow us on Twitter at Create Unknown. Follow us on Facebook if you Facebook. Follow us on Instagram if you Instagram. I'm sure you Instagram. I know you. I know you harding images all day on your feed. The Create Unknown is produced by Triangle Content. We've been your hosts, Kevin Lieber and Matt Tabor. Check us out on YouTube at Vsauce2. Executive producer is Dave Kiney. This episode was edited by Adam Ganong. Our theme song is by the incredible Mega Drive. Special thanks to Paula Lieber, Mo Lewitt, and Dorothy Kiney. Until next time, see ya, space cowboys.